0: Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on Secure Channel. My Ready Room. Hello, and welcome to the Readier Room the most handsome and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and alongside my partner Brandon Hobbs every week, we're bringing you behind-the-scenes lore of what really happened behind the camera on the set of The Next Generation of Star Trek. Brandon, how are we doing today? Are you ready to bring the lore and the hot stories and the hot sauce?
1: Hey, look, Mitch, I'm really excited today. Yeah, um, we've got we've got so much to talk about, um, you know, off mic we were talking a little bit and uh, I understand you're a little concerned about the length of um, of our episodes here. Well, I'm, of I'm the radio
0: room. I am only concerned insofar as the fans are concerned. We get a lot of fan mail, um, sometimes fan uh, messages on the gram, sometimes literal mail and uh, people are a little concerned if i if I'm being honest, and I what what podcast host would I be if I was not also concerned for their concerns. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is that uh, there's been a real creep in the length of our episodes where we yeah. initially, if you look at our the lengths, they were maybe thirty, forty minutes at a time. and now it's two or three times that amount. Um and the concerns among the fans is that the 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 quality of the discussion is not scaling to match the length of the episode. Right, right. Which, Which you know, I think is kind of silly. Right. Um it's pronounced Mitch. But anyway, um it's I I agree that that's a silly concern. Um because we're here really giving it our all. On every second of every episode. At the beginning, mm-hmm. in the middle, at the end, we're bringing it. We're doing it. We're bringing mm-hmm. it. And I am sensitive to the to the demands of the ensigns of their on their lives, where they don't have time to sit down and listen to something for an hour and a half before they're pulled away to tend the fields or tend the babies or get back to work. Whatever it is that um, ensigns do all the time. And that's okay. However, I will not bow to the demands of terrorists. And mm. the readier room will not negotiate on such matters. The show will be over when it's over. Yeah. And not yeah. a moment I... beforehand.
1: I think uh, I can speak for both of us when I say you know we'll keep it in mind, but um, you know we're 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 gonna make the show as long as it needs to be. Um, no. And mm. with that said, what did you have for dinner last night?
0: Oh, that's a good question. So last night I have really been into these chicken sandwiches recently. Um, mm-hmm. the, the same place that sells a mean spicy chicken sandwich sells a mean um, a Korean. Barbecue chicken sandwich? Uh, mm-hmm. What's the name of that sauce? With the silly name. Well, uh, oof. I almost said bulgogi, but that's something... It's, it's Korean, right? Yeah, it's like... Nyan, I'm correct nyan, that... Nyanyamu. Something like that. Yeah, have you, have something you heard of like
1: this? that. Hey, I know what it is. Yeah. It's spicy.
0: It's spicy, and they sell it in a pita instead of a yeah. bun? All right. Yeah. And... I can't, I'm so beside myself, paralyzed by my decision, that I just end up buying both. And, now, uh,
1: is this the chicken place that recognizes you as Mitch from the Ready Room?
0: No, no, that's a different chicken place. That chicken place oh, okay. doesn't sell sandwiches, they sell loose chicken.
1: Gotcha. Um, Oof, loose chicken, huh? Yeah.
0: In this day and age? It's, in, in, in this economy, it's quite quite difficult to pull. Yeah. But this place, they also sell... uh french fries by the bucket like that's their serving size a okay bucket. okay so what i do is i sit down with my massive girth and bite into two or three sandwiches that i bought and shove my hand into my bucket of potatoes and um, mm. and go ham that was my dinner last night and um it'll probably be my lunch and my dinner today too mm. what about you well, first of all,
1: I'd like to say you sound like a great Trek fan. Thank you. Um, I've been I've been uh kind of liking these these poke bowls recently. A poke bowl? Now, what is that? A poke bowl. It's like a it's like a a, a sushi bowl or something with some
0: from some fish in it. Okay, what kind of fish? Some like rice. goldfish.
1: I don't know, they're all, uh... It's all raw, so I can't really tell the difference. Okay,
0: okay. You know, you get your your pink fish, your slightly more pink fish. Now, I saw this episode of The Simpsons one time, several decades ago, where one of the principal characters, the protagonist, ate, um... some kind of raw fish, which turned out to be poisonous. Is mm-hmm. Is that true? Um... Yes, actually.
1: If you ever go to a Japanese restaurant and order the the hugu, okay. um, also known as the blowfish, ah. um, you have a, I would say, 50% chance of dying. Now, is,
0: was that in your poke bowl?
1: No, no, I make sure to never get that. Mm. It's dangerous. Well, you
0: never were much of a gambler. Right. I like to play it safe. Mm-hmm. So how was the poke bowl? It was good. Would you recommend It was it? good. Um Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. It's no it's no chicken sandwich. It's no chicken sandwich. No spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah. Um I've always wanted I've always thought about spicy sushi as a concept. Um ways to well, They do they do do that. How do do how do they do that?
1: Well, I mean, I know like the the American style does the
0: spicy mayo. Yeah, but that sounds kind of gross. No, it's good. I mean, more of like a dry rub, maybe on the sushi. That's disgusting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, i've I've always thought of um actually doing a an overnight camping in the parking lot of the Poke Bowl restaurant. Okay. And ordering Poke Bowl for for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, and just kind of sleeping in my car.
0: That would be an interesting journey to uh to catalog along the way yeah i think no one else has done this right no i i think i can't imagine what would possess someone to do anything like that right yeah and i would i would you know get because i got a
1: van right and i would put the seats down make a little bed for myself and in between obviously i'd be recording this for youtube and in between my stops for food um i would just i guess play cell phone games um and avoid my wife you know
0: right it, it well it takes a lot to um you know just want to spend a night willingly in your car and eat fast mm. food or or low grade restaurant food you do have to wonder what kind of person you've become right um i at least it would be worth the minimal youtube exposure i'm sure you would get
1: yeah and i think it's a great pivot away from
0: comedy sketches right Indeed, it's, it's, you don't really have to think about anything, you just have to order some food and eat it. Yeah, it's it's kind of the natural evolution of entertainment. Is there any cheese in the poke bowl? There can be. Well, I was thinking that um, if, if there was, what you could do is take it and and elongate it so that the camera could see that there is cheese inside of your dish. Mm Mm-hmm, and elongate it. Yeah. Like
1: with my mouth
0: yeah maybe one pulling it away one hand on the cheese one mouth on the the other end of the cheese and you like you do it, and then you shout cheese elongation and um you know it kind of becomes a, a a thing for your channel cheese elongation okay yeah i'm liking this idea i don't think anyone's ever elongated cheese no at least not on camera certainly not um they, uh, they they've made more compact cheese have you ever seen those cheese sticks at the store It's was like just a a chunk of cheese and a plastic mm-hmm. single mm-hmm. yeah and uh, you can the guy with the uh, did the guy with the you know the guy who crushes things did he ever crush cheese um mr crusher no um he wasn't really on the show that much it was more focused on um beverly and wesley Right, right.
1: Okay. Now, I guess that's true.
0: I, I know in the EU, um the Apocrypha, that there was a lot more of that. I'm not that so intimately familiar, so I'm not gonna say no. But mm-hmm. I, I'm I don't think so.
1: Well I guess it'll be my job in the future, um uh, to explore that.
0: mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like a niche. Yep. A niche, as uh, as they say. As as one should say. Indeed, indeed. Other things one should say is that I have an email for you at the Ready Room people. And there's one person from Indiana named Chet who said as much this past week. He wrote in for our question of the week. Heyo. Um, hmm. Question of the week says, bonjour, admirals. Uh, he's from French, Indiana. The French Quarter. Um, nah. uh, of the men in Star Trek TNG... Who do you think is the most attractive? Thank you for everything you do and you don't do. And you're welcome, chat on both accounts. So, this is a good question. Obviously, there's a lot of beautiful people on uh, Star Trek Next Generation, and they all just so happen to be men. So, how would we rank those? Or a loose ranking?
1: Okay. Um, well, I'm going to guess that since we're at the point we're at and yar is gone we're going to we're going to count that character out right
0: yeah it's not con- uh, conducive to the conversation right um well i mean i i'm just going to say it um levar jordy is at the bottom uh, i was going to say levar i was oh. going to say he's at the bottom he's at the bottom huh yeah Who's no. at the top? Uh, I'm torn. And it's not who you think it is. Um I would say either well, Yeah, you know, let's go by the you want to go by the character or the actor? Because you know, some of them have makeup or prosthetics. There's there's some big distinctions here and we can discuss both. Okay. Well, because some, some people are... Well, actually, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I would put Captain Picard towards the top, but I would not mm-hmm. put Patrick Stewart towards the top. And the reason right. for that is Patrick Stewart is actually kind of like a... like a dumb idiot in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, yes.
1: Patrick Stewart is actually a dumb piece of shit. Right. <laughs> Whereas Picard is sophisticated and intellectual yeah an intellectual yeah um so yes i agree that um you know if we're not just discussing physical attractiveness there's definitely a distinction between the two now in that vein i would say Worf is the most
0: attractive that's interesting um it's very interesting to me because Worf is um a dirty klingon as we all know yeah Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what makes him attractive. Well, he's got that animal ferocity mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. But at the same time, whenever he bears his fangs, he looks more confused than uh, intense.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's kind of endearing. And, um, I mean, the, the gap between him and Michael is you know,
0: it's also fairly big. It is, it is. Now, Worf is the tallest. Michael is the tallest.
1: Right, which, going by red pill ideology uh is big as one
0: does it's a big thing. yeah it's 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 it really it boosts him up quite a bit well that's that's why they you know when they were fleshing out Worf's backstory they named him um warf son of mog because he mogs everyone else in the uh in in the bridge mm. yeah so, Worf, I think, would be up there. I don't think I'd put him at the top, though. Um, nor Michael, but definitely upper percentile. Now, yeah. What are we gonna do about the Wesley Crusher conundrum? We'll, we'll. Oh, leave. we're not gonna
1: do anything about that.
0: I don't want to touch that. Yeah. Now, I think we're gonna be touching that enough <laughs> in the discussion this episode. Indeed, I will say that. Um, Will Wheaton, to his credit, has managed to keep the awkward teenage boyish charm well into his 40s and 50s. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a nice way to put it. Yeah, Um, with all that would imply, like I could see Will Wheaton in the year 2021 waking up and just having a big old zit on his forehead that's going to
1: ruin his day. (laughs) I could see myself, you know, giving him a wedgie, stuffing him in a locker
0: I could see him speaking at the the eulogy of his lifelong friend's funeral because, you know, they're old now and he's dead. And his voice just cracks in uh, (laughs) the teenage way. Yeah. Um, So I think that speaks for itself. Indeed. So I still haven't heard who's at the top of your list. Uh, Yeah, I was waffling on Patrick, but I... If we're going by the characters, I'm going to say Data. Hmm. Yes. Data is... No. He's, um... I don't really know how to describe it or why. Because he's, you know, this cold, inhuman piece of machinery. And he's objectively not just physically the most attractive. But there's something about Data that is just so, um... Silly and yet charming mm-hmm, mm-hmm Well, you
1: know what? He also has kind of almost an unintentional uh, set of dark triad personality traits
0: oh you'll you'll have to because explain of this his to me.
1: well, you know his he's only two years old, right right or something, and um you know he, he lacks a lot of knowledge about human emotion, so often he comes off as cold and uncaring. And um, you know, women like that. We like that. Yeah, yeah. We like that,
0: and we like that.
1: And um, you know, uh, narcissistic. You know, he'll he'll take take control of conversations and kind of just just butt his way into
0: them, and he won't stop talking. Hmm. Is there a third one that completes this triad? I forget. I'm sure there is, based on the name. Yeah, it's it's there somewhere, but well, if I put data as my number one, who would you put as your number one? Uh, Worf. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Let's. Why don't we each round out a top three? Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna say, data is number one. Um, Picard is number two, and it's either Riker or Worf. Ah. Uh... I'll, I'll say, pick one. I'll say Worf. I'll say Worf. Okay. I would go
1: Worf, Riker, Picard.
0: I buy that. I mean, I don't, I don't know about. I don't know how to feel about Riker. His look of intensity, his look, the Riker look, is too. It's too strange. too off-putting, and I can't. I imagine that any situation you're ever intimately in with him, he would break it out. And you know, I don't want to you know turn around and see that look in a moment of of uh, passion.
1: You know, I don't know. The little eye twitch gets me going.
0: You know, imagine Riker cupping your face, um, maybe in bed, maybe uh, during a romantic getaway, maybe at the at the dinner table at a candlelit affair, and he busts out that look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not into that. It's all he's got yep. and, and, and Riker's only concept of flirting is talking quickly
1: <laughs> uh shooting off one liners in quick succession until one of them sticks the shotgun approach yeah yeah which I can respect
0: can you? Yeah, yeah, you gotta shoot your shot. I mean, it's a numbers game, is what they say. Riker shooting his shot is like the three-point contests in the NBA where they have the whole um, barrel of balls to just pull from and shoot endlessly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Well, hey, look, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree here. I guess we will. Otherwise, um, we're never gonna be able to get this show off the fucking ground. That's true. So, Chet, great question. Um, I'm curious to hear all of our ensigns' rankings on the most attractive men on the Enterprise. Be sure to tweet at us with your personal top three. Um, Not so interested in the women, but very, very excited to see your opinions on the men. And if you have your own question at home that you want us to answer here at the podcast every week in the question of the week segment that we do weekly, um, you can email us at the ready room at gmail.com to so the capital T, capital R, and a second capital R. Or you can tweet at us at the readier room and we'll probably answer your question. So most likely, most likely, if we feel like it. This week we're talking about the dauphine oh good job yeah <laughs> wow i didn't know you knew french mitch well i um i just like chet i i lived in the french quarter of my hometown for um quite some time Hmm. yeah um french trenton and you pick it up quite 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 easily yeah um
1: nice seeing some french representation as if we didn't get enough of it with Picard in season one. Indeed, a, a, a thread um,
0: they've thoroughly abandoned in season two.
1: Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's it's nice, nice to see someone's love of of the French language come back again. Um, I have to say, this episode was uh, was kind of a happy accident, well, wouldn't
0: you say? Um, no. Uh, okay, uh maybe okay. an unhappy accident. Maybe maybe elaborate on that. <laughs> well so um
1: So one day, one night, some of the crew go out to the local dive, right? Uh-huh. And you know, we're drinking, shooting the shit. As we do. We were just wrapping up production of um God,
0: what episode was it? The one with the face that was where um silence has lease yeah yeah that's
1: it yeah um yeah we had just wrapped up on that we were at the bar we're a few drinks in and one of the guys i I think it was larry uh, um he starts off on thinking of ways that we could uh, i don't know um basically make a make an episode that would torment will right i mean he's the kind of kid that you can't help but bully right Hmm. and i mean if you see the episode it's, it's pretty clear what we landed on um because the end result was basically like dangling a carrot in front of a donkey um and and will just really couldn't help himself during during the filming of this and um the 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 kiss scene with jamie um was was literally just just put into the episode to to kind of get him going you know mm. um it was a reminder to will um of what he could not have
0: that's hilarious i i see I never knew that i I, I wasn't really close with um with Larry so i didn't didn't hang out with you guys. And I guess no one ever thought to tell me this story mm-hmm. because that is probably the best motivation we've ever had for writing an episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it really was worth the tens of thousands of dollars uh, spent producing this episode. Um, however, I think the episode in a vacuum mm. was not.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, that I'll agree with. And having heard the motivation behind it, I can look at this episode with softer, softer eyes. Um, yeah, I think anyone can. Yeah, it, I'll, I'll, I, a lot of what I didn't like is easy to forgive, when the motivation mm-hmm. is to kind of pull one over on Will Wheaton. Yeah, but um, o- overall, to look at it from the unwitting audience perspective. Yeah, I don't think this episode works. I I like the idea of very relatable and human um, budding teenage romance. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's cute. And sometimes you'll have episodes that are really sterile. And sometimes you'll have episodes that are really core to the human experience. And that's a fine balance to have. But I don't know. I just didn't think it... The those scenes worked very well, large part because the actors had very little chemistry. Which I guess makes sense when, you know, it's Will Wheaton. Well, yeah, I mean, Will was the kind of kid who just he couldn't distinguish
1: reality from fiction. So, um, you know, he went into this episode. Kind of assuming. that, That Jamie was was in love with him. Right, well, um, which
0: really he, freaked her out. He would always refer to to Patrick as captain, just apropos of nothing. Right, right, yeah.
1: For the for the seven days we filmed this episode, he was
0: referring to Jamie as his girlfriend. It took uh, a lot of convincing when we came in to shoot the next episode, and he's like, "Well, excuse me." <laughs> Excuse me, Jesus. Um, Oh, bless you. When we came in to film the next episode, and he's like, oh, where's Jamie? Where's, um, where'd she go?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, like I said, she was really freaked out, um, which, you know, uh, it led to the, the very obvious lack of chemistry here. Um, Wesley is not a cute character, he's a precocious, um, annoying child i guess um i mean he's he's so beyond
0: relatable at this point you know yeah it's it's strange to me because wesley's often written as too innocent for his age it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how i would yes. put it <laughs> yeah. yes annoyingly so and <laughs> <laughs> this episode i thought Going into it was a good opportunity to evolve the Wesley character. You know, he's growing up, he's got a libido, he's he's getting into romance,
1: and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were making him a very sexual character.
0: Right. So, a lot of us thought, okay, Will is kind of getting older, let's shed this part of Wesley, let's evolve him, Mm -hmm. mature him, and... Obviously, that didn't quite come through in the end. We at least tried uh, the script. We at least tried to get the wardrobe to give him something new instead of that really strange gray onesie that he wears all the time. And mm-hmm. I, I can't remember who it was, but it was someone might have been might have been Jean. I don't I can't quite remember, but one of the higher ups just insisted that the, the gray onesie was core to Wesley's quote boyish sexiness and mm-hmm. because of that it just had to stay couldn't get rid of it which was yeah. frustrating to me i like i get it he's he was a very sexy character but you can make someone sexy in different ways you don't need to stick to you know, whatever
1: well you know it was it was part of his appeal i think internally if you get what i'm saying mm. Um, and Wesley was always a character that wasn't
0: really made for the audience. It's
1: true. If that I, makes sense.
0: I remember when they were auditioning people for the role, um, Will came in and Gene asked him to put on the onesie right there in the audition. hmm Um, mm-hmm. and once he saw him, Will and Nat in the costume and between when he was putting it on and taking off his, the clothes he came in. Uh, yeah. Gene knew that he was right for the role.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so obviously there were I think I think Gene just operates on such a different level. You know. Yeah. I, sh- I should say operated, of course. Um rest that rest his, rest his soul. Yep, yep. rest in peace. God bless him. I think I'm not going to say we're wasting our time trying to Uh, figure out exactly what was going on here, but I think it's um, a little above our level of comprehension.
0: Yeah, you don't look at um, the Sistine Chapel painting and just question why it is the way that it is. You, uh, Mm -hmm. you, You accept that some people are just so far above the rim that we can't even begin to understand them right right
1: but yeah anyway so um god where were we we were talking about we were talking about uh the episode in general right so we i think that this episode like many episodes that aren't great um i think this episode touches on a theme that would be nice to explore um in any other way but this you know, yeah. Which is, you know, the 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 obligation to something that you you to the point that you don't know about anything else, the learning about the outside world, the the conflict that comes when you realize there's more to life than what you've been assigned.
0: Um, I like that. I thought the theme rested more with Wesley than it did with. um, Celia. I okay. believe it's her name? Yeah. I mean, maybe. To me, the theme was more about um, kind of Wesley's minor conflict at the end of the episode of having to uh, kind of accept the situation as it was, take this thing that right. he, that he's very infatuated with and, and let it go. Um, well, that, that was supposed to be
1: um, at the end of the day um, kind of a trans allegory mm. when he realizes that um she's not who she says she is you know and she, he's he sees kind of behind the curtain right um and, and- uh i'm not sure if we pulled it off cuz it was that theme was kind of thrown in there at the last second um they rob tried his best to get a very visceral visceral reaction um out of will and i don't know if he succeeded
0: well the goal was to have uh wesley display something akin to transphobia and right. when he sees uh Celia transform and come back he questions her humanity, her ability to to love anything and he's just very put off and disgusted. Right.
1: Right, which um, you know, understandable. Mm. But um but right, yeah, he 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 eventually has to learn to accept it. He goes and runs after her and gives her some chocolate. Uh, he, yeah, gives her a big bowl of chocolate for some reason, in a, in a glass bowl as she's about to um, turn into energy and transport down to the surface of her home planet
0: Here, Here's the question, did he remember a spoon this time? Because the first time he ordered chocolate for her, he did not order a spoon <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who is very put off by that yeah he takes it out the replicator holds it up to her he's like what, what the fuck you want me to do with this there's no spoon doesn't here.
1: the replicator usually come with utensils whenever they replicate something
0: i hope it does and you're not just ordering it all the time like computer give me some uh targ and a fork and a knife right like do they keep spoons
1: in the in the drawer somewhere
0: that's that's a question for the the comic ar- uh, authors Right.
1: It is. Um actually yes. I I will be on the lookout for that in my explorations of the comics.
0: Maybe we can get one of the comic authors to come on the show. Yeah. I mean they probably aren't really doing anything. No. I mean comics have been dead for how many years now?
1: So they they are um they are kind of in a bad spot right now with the the manga um coming up.
0: Well, I mean after um they switched the manga market to be written exclusively by forward-thinking, progressive women. There, there was nothing that the U.S. comics market could do to keep up.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's what people want to see. Mm, mm. And you know, if if you don't like that, you're a bigot. It's
0: just it's as simple as that. You just have to listen to the market. And mm-hmm. if the audio, if market, they're putting their dollars behind this this progressive. Uh, trend in in manga then obviously that's what they want
1: yeah and i mean you know they are doing you know what i think is smart and what we do is we we go to twitter and we you know see who's who's adding us right yeah who's in our in our tweets and our threads and our dms and we we listen to every single one of them you know we we reshape our our entire show based on what they want you know it's it's just a smart business decision.
0: We give a voice to the voiceless mm-hmm. I think we're doing a great job now, Brandon, I got three words for you mm-hmm. star, trek, manga Oh, it's a billion dollar wow. idea now we have some contacts over in Japan indeed. We can we could get the feelers out, get it get it going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in. That's now, great. The quick aside: if if there was to be a Star Trek manga, who would you want it to focus on? Any one character?
1: Um, I think it's a perfect fit for Barclay. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. You know. Effite, um, useless, disgusting, Passive. perverted. Yeah. Um, the perfect relatable character for the Japanese market.
0: I'm in, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's A little tall, but you know, we can, uh, we can work with it. But he it. is balding. But he is balding. He's talling <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyway, um, where were we? <laughs> what, what show is this podcast about? I think, I think we're done with this episode. Um, <laughs> this stupid so... um, <laughs> Celia and the Bee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. So, Wesley Crusher does not order spoons to eat just chocolate mousse, which I have no real concept of, but to me just looks like formless chocolate. Warm ice cream. That is what chocolate mousse tends to look like. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, what? Here's 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 the thing. There's w- precisely one part of this episode that I think works, and it's Wesley asking for love advice from the rest of the crew. Mm, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I thought that those scenes in in general were pretty cute, pretty funny, and. Um, they were part of a series in across several episodes of smaller crew to crew non-work interactions that that work really well sure sure i mean um
1: yeah yeah i guess i guess it was good it was fine i liked it i was i was disappointed we didn't get to hear jordy's uh advice but he kind of just told wesley to fuck off let's think jordy's all business yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He is. Um. N- you know, not that he would have been able to give any good advice anyway, considering he goes and has a relationship with a hologram later on. Indeed. But, um. But he he got he got advice from from Riker. He got advice from from Worf, right?
0: I think, and also Data. I believe, but Data's advice sucked because he's a, a non feeling android.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: That was right after Worf, so I was kind of mixing yeah, the two up, and it was the same scene. Yeah. Yeah. But Worf, um. Worf's advice, I think, is the standout as Mm -hmm. it's certainly the funniest um, and probably one of the funnier scenes as of late in in TNG. It's it's great. Now, what was really good about that scene is that a lot of it was improv by Michael, you know, knowing just the uh, image that we have for them. He was able to put it together pretty well. And, you know, that was his first take. It was his first improv with it. And it just stuck. It was exactly what the scene needed, which was wonderful for this episode. But (laughs) it kind of gave Michael the impression that that he was an improv guy. Like, he could improv any number of scenes. And he never really struck gold the same way. It was a lot of eye-rolling, a lot of... um, unsuccessful jokes in future episodes when he would try to improv and we had to do a lot of extra takes to get Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to get past this and inevitably the director would start like lying to michael uh or say oh michael that's really good that improv oh that works really well we're just gonna do one more just do this one with the script and just so we have something to edit against and um you know, just through that little bit of subterfuge, we were able to get the episodes completed. I mean, nobody, none of the cast ever actually watched Star Trek, so it d- didn't end up mattering. But
1: right, uh, yeah, that was that was that was one of the tricks of the trade um, that every director had to learn. Yeah, um, usually the hard way. You know, you get you get one good improv session, and suddenly you think that uh, I don't know, you're funny. You're, you're, you, yeah, right. Um, which you know, as professional comedians, we know that's not how that works.
0: But, so, um I remember in the chair, the director's chair, um, around season three, somebody took a, they taped a message to the inside of it, and it just said, like, beware Michael's improv, um, mm-hmm. as a warning to new directors who would come in and assume the chair later on. And it's yeah, it a great message, yeah. really. Yeah, uh, almost a riddle, mm.
1: really. It
0: was quite <laughs> cryptic. <laughs>
1: Um, I liked the Riker scene with with Guinan. I thought it was funny.
0: Why did you like it? Why was it funny? I just thought it was ridiculous. Uh, maybe I liked it in a meta way. I mean, it, there but... there's a lot to appreciate in the meta sense, but the thing is about that scene itse- itself. There's exactly one line that I hate about it, mm-hmm. and it's when Guinan. Snaps at Wesley and like yeah. implores Riker to continue. And yes, it was very, very out of character. Right. Had that been just about any other character, I think it would have been fine. But yeah, for Guinan, like this ageless and uh, en- knowledgeable <laughs> entity, to just become fixated on Riker complimenting her appearance is just so yeah, so far out of character yeah. that it, it <laughs> took me out of the episode immediately telling telling wesley to shut up right and uh, <laughs> until that point Gainan's kind of just you know playing catchball ball with the conversation she's being witty right. in her own way which makes sense and um you kind of get the sense that she's indulging riker's uh uh role play here and mm-hmm. then no that's not it at all she's just Yet another one taken in by the Riker charm. Yep, yep, yeah. Which is just—it's unbelievable, right? You're right. The the suspension
1: of disbelief cannot carry one that far. Uh, For some reason, I still find it funny, and yes, it's probably just because I like it ironically. But But, uh,
0: there's good reasons to like that scene. Uh, Just to get back at Frakes. For example, Frank. Sure, Frakes, sure. Frakes hated shooting that scene. He really did not want mm-hmm. to flirt with Whoopi on camera. Thought mm-hmm. it was beneath him. He's yeah. like, he he said a lot of mean things in in his complaints. Like, yeah. Oh man, you know, look at her, look at me. You see her skin color. How dark hey. she is. <laughs> it was awkward to be on set that day. Um, yeah, saved by the director again. He just shot it shot, reverse shot, when one of them was on the set, the other one didn't need to be, and Riker... Yeah, Rob was a real professional. He was. Handling actors, wrangling them, is one of the foremost jobs of a director. Placating their massive egos, um, stroking their massive egos. It's something that you takes a a sensitive touch. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Rob was a master at it and who knows how long production might have been delayed if it was somebody with worse people skills at the helm
1: definitely and i mean i don't know that's that's why i always liked having rob on set um you know especially during this time he had become very proficient with the wheelchair as well hmm. um you, just all kinds of things he was a really really good guy
0: i always um, great
1: guy to have on your side
0: indeed i always thought just playing around with the um idea in my head of if we had more than one wheelchair having like races with them or obstacle courses mm-hmm. in, and i know rob would have came out on top oh definitely he was unmatched oh.
1: um he he was you know he he just he'd be he'd be moving
0: across set just you know doing like these little 360s even when the wheelchair was in its final um days before we were able to replace it and it wasn't. It wasn't handling so well. He still knew how to make it sing. Yeah, he managed to pop a wheelie on it. Yeah, which is astounding when you think about its yeah. shape.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, it was impressive to say the least.
0: Um. Yeah. So. Wesley's getting advice on fucking this girl. Uh, okay. Yeah. Hold on. Here's here's this. They. The, the, their meat cute as it's called um when she comes on the ship and is walking by wesley wesley's just standing there with an electromagnet and this this woman this girl she's like is that an electromagnet and yeah he, she runs up to him and he's like yeah and she's like oh my god this can pull the iron out of your blood watch out and mm-hmm. then they leave and at no point in any of their future discussions does she come off as, as a scientist, as um, having the same interest as he does. It's just such a strange thing for them to meet and bond over. I don't think it's so weird. I
1: think, I think the show portrays her as a uh, kind of a book smart
0: kid. I don't know. You know? Don't, it, no, not really. I, it, in the sense that her backstory is, okay, she's been isolated and learning and training to become a leader so she probably has been educated thoroughly yeah you can imagine that but her um on screen she's never portrayed as being knowledge seeking or particularly clever
1: that's not true it's she's very portrayed as being curious about lots of things and it's it's not too surprising that her curiosity for magnets would lead her to say reading a wikipedia article about the statistics of um, magnet related things, uh, you know, despite not working on them
0: or I'm not as whatever. I'm not nearly as sold on this as you are. When I saw that scene, I thought it was very strange and I never got the sense over the rest of the episode that, oh, yeah, this is just her. This is her personality.
1: Well, I find it odd that you don't watch basketball games.
0: Well, here's the thing basketball games are more often not a foregone conclusion. It's not worth my time. Mhm. You got a problem with that? I'm just saying, it's too much back and forth. <laughs> that it is.
1: That it is. Um no, I I guess I disagree with you pretty fundamentally there. I think it was fine, but well, um...
0: I have a pretty not strong but my in- my opinion of that character, Celia, trends towards negative more than positive.
1: I trend towards ambivalent, or not caring at all, really. I don't know.
0: Um, she, she just doesn't... She's not that compelling. I can definitely see why you'd be ambivalent towards her. But you want your romantic lead, or the person opposite your romantic lead, to be compelling in some sense. I guess he's attractive. Well, I mean,
1: she was attractive, but I mean, you know, that was kind of the uh the goal of the episode was to uh to amass attractive women on set, right? Um Yeah. For for, for the <laughs> express purpose of uh of tormenting Will. Um, you know, I I feel bad for Machin. Oh. especially. Geez um you know I, everyone knows her goes on to to act in twin peaks of course um
0: the most important television show of all time
1: yes yes exactly um that's what the second or third twin peaks character we've had on the show so far mm. and we predate Twin um, peaks yeah yeah so we we were ahead of ahead of lynch in this department Most, um, but no made made Shin was you know not only beautiful but um and an amazing person and you know she was supposed to have a, a much more integral role in this episode um in fact we didn't even hire patty until the higher ups got wind that we'd been putting out these casting calls for uh a God, i want to say about a dozen roles to be filled by um what it said was hot nubile young women right all right. to surround wesley Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, they, they didn't understand that there was a method to this, but uh, apparently someone someone was furious about this. Um we had a letter going around about the male gaze. Mm. Um we had to uh we had to attend sensitivity training for like a week, right?
0: That and, was not um, a fun
1: week. No, um yeah, a lot of it just amounted to sitting in a room watching a uh a VHS, right? And then, then we have to do role
0: play. God, I know, I know which how, is always awkward. I know how much you hate role play,
1: right? It's just it's not my forte. Um, you will not catch me
0: doing it I if mean, I can help it. I mean, I, I've caught you doing it, begrudgingly, and you did your best. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess what I'm
1: saying is um, I've tried my best to put role playing behind me. Um, so. Yeah, in the end we had no choice but to give that Anya character the uh the ability to transform into a monster, right? To um to kind of decrease the screen time of of the uh the so-called hot women. Um and of course, we obviously gave her the ability to also transform into those costume creatures,
0: right? Um I was without knowing uh I was trying to think of this episode um without the knowledge of having worked on it and it's so strange to see that one time when they transform into the the younger blonde actress Mm -hmm. yeah um and i'm like is this ever gonna be paid off obviously this thing can transform but why is it just becoming random women (laughs) why,
1: yeah. <laughs> it makes you wonder why made Shin for about three minutes yeah um what is the game of course uh, of course we did get to show off her costume yes um you know filled with holes uh which was of course auctioned off to yours
0: truly Very
1: still nice. have that hanging up
0: i remember the night um, of that
1: auction mm-hmm. oh god i was excited i still am you didn't but wear anything not else for a it. week
0: the the, the ensigns aren't supposed to know that mitch oh you know they'll they'll forgive they'll forgive you everyone's (laughs) got a few proclivities (laughs) (laughs) oh but
1: yeah it um it doesn't lead that particular transformation leads
0: nowhere well that's we could have cut that out completely kind of a theme isn't it of star trek the next generation i guess so this led nowhere Uh, (laughs) what did you think about uh about what we ended up with
1: the uh the the weird monster transformations
0: i absolutely love the um what the the foley department did for this the sound effect of the creature's cry Mm -hmm. um do you do you know how they got that sound
1: Mm, no no
0: okay so what they did was they took like a piano bow Uh, Not a piano bow, a violin bow. You don't play a piano with a bow. That's ridiculous. They took a violin bow and (laughs) (laughs) they they made like one of those old southern bluegrass band instruments where you take like a stick and put it in a metal tub and attach it. Yeah. And the thing is they made the metal tub so large and filled it halfway up with this solution of salt water with a little bit of gelatin to give it like the right density inside of it. And by drawing the bow across the the string there, it created this, like, otherworldly sound. You take that, reverse it, slow it down a little bit, and then layer it on top of itself. And that's how you get the cry that we have in the show. And it's phenomenal to me because that cry, I was just entranced by it. I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. Um, It was... The amount of times it was played and in the succession that it was was a little bit silly, but the if the noise itself, the effect itself, I thought was top-notch. Yeah, that's really exciting. That's uh, I, I had no idea. Yeah, foleying is a crazy, crazy art form, mm-hmm. and it's one that nobody cares about.
1: Yeah, uh definitely not enough appreciation for our sound design. I mean, even on my end I think that uh, I'm I'm particularly ignorant toward it. Um we we should we should uh give a little more attention to it now yeah, and then.
0: We should. They're the the unsung heroes. Mhm. Definitely. Well, we're the unsung uh, heroes, but they're they're also heroes. We're all heroes in some way. Yeah. Some not as way. heroic, but so, overall, yeah. with those creatures, um, I didn't like that plot element uh, insofar as it's serving the story. Mm-hmm. Be- because it felt very... Once you realize their true form is this energy thing and they can become literally anything, becoming the monsters that they did feels kind of arbitrary. Yeah. And... I don't know. Feels primitive. It does feel primitive, doesn't it? It like becoming the small, cute version of it was also yeah. Weird. What if
1: we say why?
0: To me, it just it infantilizes the uh, the the Celia character. Where okay, um, it's a small, cute, furry thing, and I guess um, this energy being also finds that comforting. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Um it makes you wonder what they looked like down on the on the planet they were they were hiding in or whatever. Right. It's I don't know, it's so strange to me. I never really felt a sense of danger with it all and maybe you weren't supposed to, but there's this minor confrontation bet- between the caretaker, governess, whatever and Worf. Mm-hmm. And the thing it flies off the handle. It's like, "Oh, kill that sick man." Becomes a terrible monster. Worf confronts it. It gets like in a locked stalemate with Worf. Picard tells it to calm down, and then it does. Right. And it's like right. What, what? What? Yeah. Every interaction is I could kill you,
1: and then um, the uh, her her conversation partner just says, "No, you won't." And then she goes back to her room.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: Go to your room. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite sure what the uh, why that's there when the main conflict is more about Celia's sense of responsibility. You know, what- yeah,
1: which could have easily been like we didn't need any of this this physicality or anything like that. Just make it a story about a kid who has a responsibility, her caretaker who, um, you know, strictly wants her to adhere to this responsibility. You know, find something that can, you know, drive the crew into the middle of this conflict. And it's it's interesting enough. You don't need to make them turn into monsters.
0: Well, the easiest way to get the crew in the middle of it is Wesley. Um, Wesley takes her to the holodeck. Let's say she's missing for a longer period of time. Uh, the caretaker comes to the bridge. She's like, where is Celia? Bridge says, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, by the way, where's Wesley? Oh my god, Wesley's also missing. Now it's our responsibility, too. And, um, you know, they basically did hints of that. Not fully, because that wasn't the focus, but there's a way to get everybody involved appropriately without driving the, uh, not the stakes, but the circumstances up unnecessarily high.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah. I don't know. When you're making a more human story about uh, budding love or personal responsibility or whatever, why turn it into a monster mash?
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, they just, they don't mesh together at all. Um, I mean, even just have an unrelated B-plot or something to fill the time if you need to. Yeah. The, The
0: monster stuff was poor. It was just bad. I think a good way to structure this episode make the first half about wesley um his crush he building up his courage to to talk to her, maybe the first third, the second third is their budding romance, and then the last third is, oh no, Wesley, I can't love you i have um I have to go to this planet. What should I do? I don't know uh her her arc, yeah, sure, and then well, I mean of course
1: you need some kind of um some kind of Star Trek thing in there, so the B plot can be that um, they need to repair the engines again.
0: <laughs> you know, easy stuff. No, let's let's make like a like an actual, um, sensibly boring B plot. So okay. data, <laughs> yep,
1: always <laughs> data.
0: Uh, oh. Oh, I got it. Data, in his quest to understand humanity more, makes an eye visor like Geordi and um, comes to terms with seeing things that way. Yeah, that's perfect. That
1: sounds good to me. Um, you know, plays upon the, the Data-Geordi friendship a little bit more. That's That's kind of starting to bud. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, that's not bad.
0: Yeah, anything, anything but what we got. You know what we did get in this episode? Hmm. Not only a sighting, but a use of the engineering elevator. Yes, uh, which seemed
1: to have more protection than it I did. remember.
0: It did. It was. It had like this foil metal backing on it, plus yeah. some extra like
1: um, not plastic restraints. windows.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is good when you're gonna stick an old woman on it.
1: Right, yeah, uh, especially an old one. You never know if she's gonna
0: fall right off. Well, you know, old old women and their sense of equilibrium.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know, especially Patty. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was. She was a drinker,
0: as the the name would imply, with its Irish origin. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, she always looks kind of strung out in the episode.
1: Maybe it's just the yeah, crazy, I mean, you crazy can
0: eyes. You
1: can tell. You can tell that she's coming off of a, an all nighter most of the time.
0: Indeed. Just wake up, start drinking again, bring your flask to the set.
1: Yeah. Oh, God. You know those Irishmen.
0: Mm. Any Irishman. You got enough man. with Colm. Yeah. Well, Colm was a real meanie. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He
1: was. That's uh, That's why they named him that. Right. It was a, a very prescient naming. Yeah. They had a, uh, you know, a, a psychic at the uh, at the hospital when he was born to predict his um... to predict his his surname. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. that's how they do it in Ireland.
1: That's how, yeah, that is how they do it in Ireland. And everyone's last name is kind of like their occupation or where they live. Right, right. Uh, um, and you know, his occupation was just being a meanie, or it was supposed to be. I don't know how he fell into being a Star Trek uh, uh, recurring cast member, but...
0: Well, here's the thing that... Um, uh, what's his name? O'Brien is... Of all like the characters in the show, big or small, and their number of appearances, O'Brien is in the exact middle where he has the exact average number of appearances for any character on TNG. And um, he had the mean, is the thing. So he accomplished that.
1: Ah, yeah. oh, a little play on words, huh? Right, that's
0: sneaky. What? What a um, a fortune teller, a, a future predictor at that hospital to have realized that. To me, to me, that just sounds like a very Irish thing to do. Luck of the Irish, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I have something I wrote in my notes. What the fuck is this act break? I don't quite recall what it was but some (laughs) stinger before the commercial really really cheesed me off or was so strange i don't remember it either for some reason i i didn't notice that it might have been the first time one of them transforms into a monster and it's just out of nowhere and you're like (laughs) what and then it just cuts the commercial
1: okay perhaps yeah i don't know Maybe, maybe i maybe i wasn't paying attention I could have been doing literally anything else with my time
0: <laughs> Well, when I watched this episode. Here's the thing, you should have been doing literally anything else with your time. That is true. A responsible man would have been. Hmm. Um, some Another part of the episode that really stuck out to me, and this one I do remember, is the low-speed chase coming out of 10 forward where yeah. they're, they're both kind yeah. of walking down the hallway very slowly, but it's, it's kind of framed and um, written like Wesley's chasing after her. Well, right. that is what women do. Indeed. Well, I learned today that just because a woman runs away doesn't mean she doesn't want you to chase her.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Um. So next time a woman runs away from me, I'll remember Guinan's wise words. Indeed. And Guinan's a woman, so she knows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that line helped uh many a
0: Trek fan back in the day. Indeed. They they thought they were just like Wesley Crusher in that one episode.
1: Yeah. Which, you know, I, I suppose he works very well as, as an audience insert here.
0: Uh, I mean, he's a little more um, nubile. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Certainly
1: more nubile. That is a good word for him. Um, but, you know, ineffectual. Um, milk toast. Inexperienced. Yeah, milk toast. Yeah, like the average track fan, just maybe maybe about 200 pounds lighter.
0: Have you ever had milk toast? I believe I have. It's not good. It's just milk and toast. Right. Does that sound appealing to you?
1: Yeah, it sounds okay. What? There's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of things you can put in or on toast.
0: Not milk. And not cinnamon either. I'm sick of pretending. You put that butter okay. on toast. No.
1: You put butter on toast. Why not milk? I don't put butter on toast. That's the thing. Well,
0: that's just that's just weird. Do to- you put an egg on toast? No, toast is best when it's plain. This, we can't
1: have this conversation, Mitch.
0: Well, I know our ensigns are worried about our running time. That's nuts. That is nuts. No, it's dry toast. Yeah.
1: Do you eat it with something else?
0: No, maybe another piece this, of toast. This is
1: this is your love for Kaiser rolls coming back in a different form.
0: Yeah, here's the thing: I, bread is its own reward. You don't need to dress it up with condiments. Oh my god! Yeah,
1: maybe if you're poor. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, well, what do you want from me, man? Was I... Aladdin? No. No. You know, it's just it's not always better to be more luxurious. You know, the, the the crown is more expensive than the hat, but which one would you rather have when it's raining?
1: Look, I don't think it's luxurious to spread some some concord's grape jam on a piece of bread. It's certainly decadent. Wow. <laughs> From a certain point of view, sure.
0: Look at this but, guy you know, with was jam. Because I have a little fruit on my toast. I don't know. It's... Why ruin a good thing? This is the type of thinking that, that gets us into the current obesity problem. Mitch,
1: I told you I'm working on it, okay? You don't need to bring it onto the podcast.
0: I just thought that you, at some point before the end of your life wanted to fit into to, uh, that costume that you wanted the auction again all right well y- y- you know I'm doing my best um the ensigns
1: don't need to hear about our uh our dirty laundry
0: okay mm-hmm this is ridiculous well anyway uh this whatever s star trek um I didn't like it yeah
1: um i didn't like it either i would say
0: i'd almost say don't watch this episode there's nothing to get from it um there's yeah i i i like the scene of wesley and Worf, and to a lesser extent wesley and Riker getting love advice but that's like two minutes cumulative it's not not worth it i like the cute girls cute girls are nice um they're cute they're sexy oh we didn't even mention ensign gibson Ah, that's another one. Very, very 80s hairstyle. Yeah, very,
1: very uh, uh, centered in frame uh, as the episode starts. Yeah,
0: well, um, I mean. To, to show us that Wesley's not on the bridge because of plot reasons. They, I was always sad they never went with the name I suggested for the character. Uh, Ensign um, Frakes' side piece, but, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a damn shame. Just in case anyone was wondering, the backstory of that character. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> it would have it would have been true to
1: life. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, other other than those those fun little scenes, and the cute girls, this you episode's know, got nothing for you.
0: This is the most. Um, anime-like episode of Star Trek given that its strengths are the cute girls and the slice of life scenes
1: that's true maybe we can recraft this into our
0: Star Wars manga
1: Star it's, Trek manga it's all the same
0: yeah it, rewrite this <laughs> rewrite this episode with uh barclay in the lead role yep and uh I think he got a winner like Barclay comes out he's holding this electromagnet cute girl comes up to him's like is that an electromagnet barclay like you know, fumbles it, t- tosses it yep. to the ground, runs away. Um, I can see this exactly in my head.
1: Mm-hmm. How, how this yeah. would play out. Bar Barclay no Nichi Joe. Perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. In every single way. Yeah, I'm I'm liking it. The more we talk about it, the more this needs to get funded. Maybe we'll set up a, a GoFundMe. Boku no Barclay.
0: Yeah. Boku no Barclay. Wow. There we go. Alliteration. We yeah, like that. We like that. I'm into it. Ensigns, um, I will post on our Patreon a link to the GoFundMe for the uh, here yet untitled Barclay manga, but I think together we can all make this happen. I think we can probably get some t-shirts, too, in, in the, the tiers, right? Um, yeah. So uh, we, we manga can manga themes?
1: Mm-hmm. Um... We can have we can have a a scene of, of Barkley uh with toast in his mouth.
0: Yeah, we we can have one that says pump, what are we gonna do in engineering? Mm-hmm.
1: Um A lot of good ones. We can have uh can have Troy with cat ears.
0: There you go. Doing a little n'ya. Yeah. Yeah. I uh. mean, yeah, it's Captain, they seem extremely frustrated, nya. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, in yeah. There. there we go. That's perfect. Um, we we can have um, we
1: can have Celia with with her hand over her face, and you know the go 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 go, and then like the monster is like behind her, like ooh, kind of menacingly looking out.
0: A lot of deep deep cut references here. We can um, do the one the low angle shot of those two guys dramatically walking towards one another with um, with Barclay and Riker. Yes, it's perfect. I was <laughs> the second you started that sentence, I knew where it was going. So look forward to that, Ensigns. Um, to sum up this episode, the the live action American produced version of it, um, wasn't good. Don't go back to it. Nope. not offensively bad, but it has no redeeming qualities. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It was, uh, it was
1: so nothing that I honestly. Watched this episode and didn't remember any of it from the last several times I'd watched it.
0: So, um, yeah, for me, it was trying to get through just from Mm -hmm. a complete disinterest.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was very boring.
0: I uh, I would say don't watch it, but you already have. So if if only we had those Irish fortune tellers to have saved us from this. (laughs) I (laughs) know it's a damn shame. (laughs)
1: um all right well i guess i guess um i guess it's time for me to continue milking this comic series please do give me some of that delicious comic milk um as we know um i'm going through the the comic miniseries star trek the next generation mirror broken which deals with an alternate universe evil uh picard with a beard
0: the most evil and in, thing one could do,
1: right? In chapter one, in chapter one, they go to hijack the Enterprise because they're still in the Stargazer at the beginning of this. That's another ship. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was the, in in TNG. It's Picard's old ship, Stargazer. Remember? No. Remember the the um what's the what's the big eared aliens? The Ferengi. Oh the Ferengi. yes. They remember they come over and give him the the yeah. stargazer. Yeah. So in this universe, they're still in the stargazer. Um, but they're they're gonna go hijack the Enterprise. Now, working on the Enterprise is Geordi and um, and that one hologram girl that that he consults in that one episode, which is really weird. It would suggest that in this mirror universe, she's born much later than she was before.
0: She was in the, in, in she, our universe. She built the Enterprise, or something.
1: Yeah, she, yeah, she did. So maybe it would suggest that everyone else was born earlier in this universe. Who knows? I don't know. Um, it, it, the timeline's all messed up. So anyway, they go to steal the Enterprise, and the Enterprise is hidden, of course. Um, they kind of have to sneak in and and, and find it. Um, because it's, it's like a myth. No one knows that it's actually being built. Now, my question to you is, is, um, where is it hidden? And, you know, I can give you some multiple choice questions or answers if you want. I feel like I need them
0: because in the vastness okay, of yeah. space, it can be hidden anywhere.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So, um, Unless the
0: answer is right under their noses.
1: Yeah. So, um,
0: I believe we're on Mars here. Okay. Um, has has the need for moms been filled in this timeline?
1: <laughs> I I would imagine it has not. Um, considering it's an evil timeline, oh, I, I would imagine there's a lot of motherlessness. Um, I would imagine a a certain website is uh, uh is really raking in the profits. Oof. Um. Now, okay, so so they're on Mars trying to steal the Enterprise. Now, my question is. Where's the enterprise hidden? Is it underwater? Mm-hmm. Is it on terraformed Venus? Is it inside the uh Empire's research headquarters, or is it cloaked in the middle of the city for some reason?
0: Okay. So I think that from a storytelling perspective, inside of the research uh, facility would be the most prime for storytelling. However, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think that that's what we're dealing with here. Um, I'm inclined to go with the option that includes for some reason. Based Mm -hmm. based on the fact that this is a comic book, and it's most likely ridiculous. Also, Mm -hmm cloaking is i'm sure there's a dramatic turn of like oh it it was there the whole time or if this i don't think the mirror mirror universe is overtly comedic but if it was um there's like data just walks into it and hits what is seemingly nothing (laughs) so i'm gonna go with cloaked in the middle of the city for some reason
1: well, yeah, um, you know, if it's not overtly comedic, uh, comedic, um, yeah, it, is, it is comedic it like in that. some way. <laughs> um, it's definitely comedic because, uh, yeah, they they break into this 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 research building or whatever, and they they find Geordi there, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna steal the Enterprise," and he just says, "You know, okay." Um, he he tells them it's covered with a cloaking device, and he he just hands Picard some binoculars, and he he looks up in the sky and it's literally just sitting there like in the middle of a bunch of buildings oh um which you know i'm pretty sure flying cars exist in this universe right yeah you always see ships flying around in low atmosphere here so you would think one of them would just run into it or birds yeah 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 you would just see (laughs) just see a bunch of dead birds in that kind of uh radius i guess um yeah hilarious this this comic continues the uh the tried and true tradition of comics being absolutely stupid
0: well it continues the tradition of star trek being stupid of comics being stupid they're a match made in heaven um yeah until we get the manga it's not going to have the uh, level of sophistication that uh, only japanese art can attain
1: that's true that's true but once we do get there once we do get there I think the world's going to be a better place. I think the fandom's going to be a better place. Oh yeah. They'll love this. Yeah, they certainly will. Um we should we should discuss the new Picard trailer next time.
0: Oh, yes. I mean, a lot of work went into that. I was mm-hmm. watching Twitter, the tweet storm with uh bated breath. My bet my breath was bated and mm-hmm. it's nice. I mean, it's always nice to see your your efforts come to fruition with the, with the public.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, we do have a lot to talk about, actually, that I'm surprised we didn't get to. Uh, Star Trek Day, of course. Yes, yes. Um, so we'll, we'll have to make sure to uh, to to discuss that with the Ensigns next time.
0: Well, maybe we can have a little bit of a news roundup. Yeah, yeah. Here's what's going on in the world of Trek. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be a fun little little segment. Look forward to it. And yeah. until then, everybody, in our next news roundup of the Ready Room, I implore you to keep yours, keep yours, you and yours, and everyone stay ready. The troublesome little man-child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been... disposable creatures. Wait, do I not appear more intellectual?
1: Computer! Freeze program.
0: It's not a promising
1: beginning. Beginning, 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 beginning.